For so many modern driven women, life is about being more than one thing. We're multidimensional and so are our conversations. We carry multiple identities. We can be both mother and artist, both attorney and entrepreneur, both clinician and CEO, both humble and proud. Life for women like us is about both, about all of the above. It's about the and. Our stories are the stories of so many of you. We wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present to our families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. And we wanted to establish financial security for ourselves and our children. For us, that looked like founding software companies and then a successful coaching and online course business. But for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. We're here to share an insider's peek into the strategies and mental resilience it takes to create and run six and seven figure online businesses. As women entrepreneurs, only 2% of us will ever earn a million dollars. We've done it ourselves and we're on a mission to help you reach financial independence by chronicling our journey and sharing our proven playbook. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow a business and build a life that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And you're listening to the And She Spoke podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss any of the new podcasts that drop every single Tuesday. Hey there, it is Sandy from the Angie Spoke Podcast. I'm just popping in pre-episode because I want to let you know of a few changes. Number one, for the months of November and December and maybe into early January, we are going to be bringing forward some of our best episodes. I've gone through all of it and I've pulled out some of the best episodes that I think are most helpful for you as we head into 2024. The reason is we are brewing something up behind the scenes. We are conjuring, we are creating, our minds are exploding with different ideas around podcasting and what that looks like for 2024. So we're just taking a little break from recording episodes every week. We're going to bring you amazing past episodes and do not unsubscribe. Stay tuned because there's good things coming. So in today's episode, I've chosen for you uh, Kevin Kelly's concept of a thousand true fans. We're changing it to a hundred true fans. It is still one of the most helpful ideas in business for me. So let's have a listen. Welcome to the And She Spoke podcast. Today's episode is about gathering 100 true fans. Note, not 1,000 true fans. Hey, Sandy. We've dropped it. New concept, new idea. It's kind new of cool. idea. We've gone down by an order of magnitude. <laughs> All right. All right, Sandy, why are we talking about 102 fans today? What is the reason and what can our listeners learn from this idea switch from 1,000 true fans to 100 true fans? Yeah, we've been talking about Kevin Kelly's article for years. I don't remember the date that he wrote it, but it's been out there a long time. And the concept is like, you don't need millions and millions and millions and millions of people in your audience to make a good living. You simply need a thousand. And if each of them paid you a hundred dollars, that's a six figure business. So, and I think like from the mindset side, making it very finite, like a thousand people, I just need a thousand people out there who are following me and interested in my work feels very doable, feels very realistic and not quite so, you know, ambiguous and like undefined. Like it's like, yeah, I can totally do that. 
you came across an article by Lee Jin called 102 Fans that kind of challenged that idea. And the math is the same. It's just the zeros are moved from 100 people paying you $1,000. Yeah, so so exactly. So instead of 1,000 people paying you $100, you have 100 people paying you $1,000. So what this article is really arguing for is like sort of the rise or the evolution of the higher ticket online offer. And I mean, we've been involved in the high ticket world here for a few years, and we both play like obviously at that level with one of our programs, Illuminaries, but I would say it's at the low end of high ticket. And then you and I both have invested heavily in like much higher ticket programs. Heavily. Heavily. All the money. Like come coach with us so that you can learn from our brains who've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on high ticket programs. But like we've both spent 20, 30 plus thousand dollars on programs multiple times, right? Like this it's year. Yeah. This, yeah. Like many times. And I think that there is something to these offers. And, you know, this article really kind of teases out why like she is not using the term high ticket really, but mm-hmm. why high ticket is important as an offering like a, to a segment of your audience and what it does differently than sort of other offers. And I also want to make the argument in this podcast that like to me having an expensive offer really allows you to do your thought leadership to the masses. It allows you to kind of have the space to give away a lot of work for free without any expectation of your general audience really paying you much of anything because you have this like elite sliver in your audience that's like essentially bankrolling your business. Right. That's a very cool way to think about it. And what I think, so we have a $6,000 offer and we have a $1,000 offer. And I think the common belief is that, oh, we'll just do this cheaper offer and it's like only a grand and it'll be so easy to sell. And it's not. Like you have to spend equal energy to sell $1,000 versus a $6,000. And right now we're airing our time and effort on selling the 6000 because bang for your buck, you know, all the energy that we spend to figure out the next sales cycle, whatever that is, we get way more and we have to do the same amount of work to sell $1,000. And I don't think that people realize that. They think selling cheaper is easier. And I would 100% argue that is not true. Yeah. And I don't even think it needs to be like compared to a thousand. Like I think that it's just as hard to sell a hundred dollar offer in many cases as a 6,000 or a $10,000 offer. Obviously it depends on your audience and the value you're delivering. It has to match. But yeah, I think that part of the reason this is so powerful is because it's getting a little bit harder to build a massive audience like on the internet, unless you have a TikTok audience or something that you can do that quite quickly, depending on how controversial you are in your work and in your visibility. But like generally speaking, to build like an audience of fans, it takes time. And so it's a much faster path to build a hundred person audience than a thousand person audience. And like I think that it's getting harder and harder and maybe more expensive to build an audience on the internet just because it's more crowded. And a lot of the social media platforms are pay to play at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you want to talk about like this author's recipe? Yeah. For selling? So she, yeah. Mm-hmm. So she has a four-part recipe, Legion. And again, we'll link her article in the show notes because it's really interesting. Don't agree with everything in here. But she essentially says there's four components to 
like having a thousand plus dollar offer that you need to have in mind. And the first one is premium content and community that has no close substitutes. So Sandy, what does she mean by that? Like, I think this is helpful to tease out by no close substitutes here is important. I think it's similar to what we are constantly teaching is about being your authentic self and doing something really unique. You're not just copying what, you know, the next yoga membership, general yoga membership, for example. Like if you can tap into what is really unique and special about you and what your experiences are, you will never have no close substitute, right? Like I think you just believing in who you are and what your offer is is a little bit different. It doesn't have to be massively different. You don't have to invent something completely new, a new industry or something, but you just have to really believe in your offer as something highly valuable. Like your flavor of it is unique to you. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. I think the way that I thought about this when I was reading her formula is it's like you're decommodifying your work. You're really like, making sure that you're not producing something that's easily interchangeable with something else. And whether that's being differentiated because of your branding, your positioning, or the actual thing you're delivering, your service, your good, like it's just in a class of its own. Obviously, all of us should be doing that anyway with our work, right? Like that's such an important part of marketing is like your position and separating yourself from the pack and making sure that your audience knows why they should buy something from you versus a competitor. Right. And I just, for all the listeners, I just want to emphasize that each of you has the capacity to do this. You may not think of yourself as, you might think of yourself as run of the mill or just what everyone else is doing. And I challenge you to think about that differently because I believe that each of you can create something that has no close substitutes. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So the second element or of Legion's recipe is delivering tangible value and results. So obviously, we also very much agree with this, right? Like the whole idea is that you've made something. So that's transformative. Like you've made something that matters to people. Like you're selling something because it leads to a positive outcome that you can easily map to for someone else. Otherwise, like what the heck is the point of your business? So like obviously you have to make it clear what the value is, but you actually have to deliver the value. Yeah. There's two sides to that. I think that's exactly right. You have to be able to communicate what that is. And I think for a lot of us, when we sell something the first time, we don't quite get that messaging nailed. And so then we think it doesn't, it's not working. But I think we have to keep going like, multiple passes to get that copywriting and that messaging so that they can see themselves succeeding in your program. So that marketing and selling side has to be there. And then obviously you actually have to deliver that program once they arrive. Mm -hmm. Which yeah. again is something that you evolve, you know, you get better and better at as the more that you do it. Yeah. And in the online space, like especially like in coaching or any kind of like service-based deliverable work, like typically you evolve this over time. Like you're saying, like you start and you're delivering something one-on-one -on -one or in person, you get really good at doing something a certain way. And then you take it online and you start to do it at scale, like in group programs or in an online course or something like that. Like you aren't just inventing it. And all of a sudden you have this like phenomenal group program right, where right. you are delivering these magic results. Like you had to earn the skills over time to know how to actually create effective results for people. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. And in our program, I mean, our, like, just again, to bring it back to a grounded real life example, like we started what is now the luminaries as 
a very inexpensive online membership. What was it like $27 a month? 67 was that our first price. Yeah, it was just it was like a relatively low priced membership. We coded this membership site on gaming software that we figured out how to like hack and make form software work for us. Like it was so different than it is now. And we couldn't have charged $6,000 for it back in 2017. We couldn't or- charge $67 for it because <laughs> nobody was buying it. I remember thinking, oh my God, everyone for $67, every one of our back then non-stream clients are going to like, why wouldn't they spend $67 for this thing? Nobody bought it. I think we had like three people buy it. Like nobody bought it. It was so hard to sell a $67 membership. Yeah. And then we got really much better over the years at delivering and showing and proving our results that we could bring to our coaching clients, right? So, I mean, the amount of work that has gone into this program to turn it into a $6,000 program is really gargantuan. It's like many, many years of work. It's like six-ish years of work and evolution of a program, right? So I just think that's the other piece to remember is it's not like you have a high-ticket program overnight. Right. I would also say that evolution has landed us in a place where I believe we actually over-deliver. We have more than $6,000 of value in that program. And that is what we want. Like We want people to go, holy crap, there's so much coaching, so much help here, so many good resources. Like This is worth way more than what I just paid. That's the over-delivery part. And I think that's really key in high-ticket programs like this. And then eventually, we're going to get to the place where we're going to be like, this is a $10,000 program. And when we can fully, fully, fully believe that this we're over-delivering at 10, that's when we're going to raise the prices. So little future pacing for you there. Like that's how that evolution, I think when you raise your price, that's what has to happen. Yeah. And the way that you know that a, is that you hear it from your clients, right? Like I think I've seen two or three people recently, like send us messages saying this could easily be a $20,000 program. Like the same, we keep hearing the same thing and we're like, yeah, we know, (laughs) you know, like that's the point is like, we want this to be so phenomenal that you feel like you're kind of getting a steal, like that's when you know you're on the right track. Yeah. But it took a long time to get there. So I think that point is very important. And I do think, I don't want to dissuade the new creators, those of you who are listening, who are like dipping your toes in online business. Like I don't want to dissuade you from thinking this is going to have to take you six years. Like we were also building and growing a technology company at the same time. So our learning curve and our growth curve on this business may have been slightly impacted by that. You know, like we weren't fully focused on this work. But I do think you have to have a career or a business where you are already showing and delivering results to people. And then it's a relatively fast leap to get into this sort of like $1,000 plus offer space. Okay. All right. So the third element of Lee's recipe here is accountability. So I know this is one that you and I don't always agree on this. So Sandy, what do you think about offering accountability as part of like a high ticket offer? Like what are your thoughts on that? Mm -hmm. I have a bit of a complex relationship with that word and there's sort of two sides and I see both. One is it's something that we hear all the time when people are considering joining the luminaries is like, will you offer accountability? And, you know, I think we have to kind of dive deeper to understand what that means to the person. But from my conversations, it typically means that people want someone to say, yeah, you got to go do the work right now. Like that has to be done by Tuesday or whatever, like some kind of pressure on them to actually perform and get the work done. 
I get it. However, the reason I push back on some of the accountability stuff that you want to add or have wanted to add in the past is like, we are all adults here. And if you can't do the work yourself for you and for your business and for your clients, then there's a bigger issue at hand. And I also think for women, this is it. Like there's this always this pushing, like wanting the external validation, like Jenny Sandy, please tell me what to do and by when. Okay, thanks. Now I'll go do it. And I think that's a problem. Like you need to be able to self-motivate and get the work done. And so because Jenny and Sandy aren't always going to be there to be like, hey, there's a co-working session on Monday. That's when you should write your blog post. Like you have to find that within yourself. And I think women are full of self-doubt and are always looking for someone to tell them what to do. So that is my, like, I get it, but I'm also like angry about it. You're all fired up about your business until you have to go and market it, talk about it, promote it. All of that feels so heavy, hard, and overwhelming. We know that your business will flourish when you become comfortable promoting your work. And for that reason, we created Visible, a program that helps women amplify their voice in a world that tries to keep them quiet. Build an audience around your body of work and not just your body. So forget everything you've been taught about marketing. Visible is your fastest route to building an audience of raving fans that can turn into paying clients. Inside bonus, you can ignore trend alerts on Instagram. Join Visible today at joinvisible.co. I think I got over my anger when I was a graduate student at Yale and I was <laughs> grading undergraduate papers for courses and like I had to like externally motivate these children which were also adults <laughs> to try to perform at anywhere close to the level that I knew they were capable of and I think that I was shocked as someone who had like come as a first generation college student and like bootstrapped my way into the Ivy League and like I struggled tremendously with like the lack of self-motivation that I saw in these people who were clearly so privileged and talented and like, why the hell are you not performing? So I sort of have like wrestled with that and like come to terms with the fact that people really do benefit from having like little carrots dangled in front of them and little sticks like threatened behind them. And that, like, I do think there's part of human nature there, but I agree. Like it would be great if we could be as intrinsically motivated as possible. And what Lee says here, she says, higher priced creators don't only offer more or better content. They also motivate and incentivize students to get what they paid for. So I think like, yeah, that's annoying to me, like that you have to do that, but I also very much accept it. And I do see the value in like a very busy world where there's lots of competing priorities and a lot of our clients are women and parents where there's like always going to be something they need to be doing besides their work. Like if we can incentivize and offer them pathways to see that this work for themselves and their business is a priority that does help them in achieving their goals in many cases, right? So I also see that side too, because there's always a hundred things to do on your to-do list as a mom, for example. So like, what can we do to elevate this work that they've said they want to commit to? What can we do to help elevate that to the top of that list so that it's not like competing with folding laundry? Yeah. And I just like, I agree. And I think that the acknowledgement or the awareness is a better word, that we should help them realize that they can self-motivate, that that is a possibility for them, that they're not 100% for the rest of their life 
having to be in a coaching program where they have to have accountability or they're not going to build their business. So that's also fair enough. Fair enough. I agree. I agree. I think that that is why the mindset work you do with our clients is so important. (laughs) So yes. Okay. All right. So the fourth element and the final element of Legion's theory here is access recognition and status. So I think this is the one that is sort of like, I don't know, for some people probably the easiest to wrestle with and other people the hardest. So that's just this idea though, that people are paying for access really to you and that there's like, there's also like status associated with being in a high ticket program and like maybe they're called VIPs or like these other words that we find problematic. Like I think that there is a human drive to be associated with that. Like, so, you know, you want to be one of the 10 people in so-and-so's master VIP mastermind, Mm -hmm. right? Because Mm -hmm. that, that connotes that you are at a certain place in your life and business. Yes. This is the one I feel very neutral about it. I get that. But as we design programs or even as I join programs, like that's not the motivating factor that I think about. Access, I, for sure, I get. And the high ticket typically does have more access to the person, the leaders of that. The recognition, I don't. And the status, I I'm not going to give like stars to our clients for, you know, more participation or whatever. Like, No. Yeah. Yeah. I think I also find this a little problematic. And I think some people are more motivated by this stuff than others, right? So I think it's also knowing your audience here, knowing what motivates your people, your client base, your student base, and then creating structures that like really fit that group of people well. So I mean, it's very clear to me that there are people that are motivated by access and status and all of those things, right? So like if that's your audience, then it behooves you to create some sort of structure around that in your programs because you're going to have those people want to join your programs at a higher rate if you have those elements. So I think, anyways, I think that this article is really helpful, Sandy, because it helps to kind of differentiate like being a creator who's trying to build a fan base with being like this kind of creator who's trying to build this kind of fan base. And I do think that if you want to offer high ticket and you want to sort of like make that kind of money, from a single sale, you have to be thinking of these things. Yes. And I just want to say from a mindset perspective, some of our clients or some of the listeners are probably not at a place. I'm sure there's some that are like, oh my God, I could never sell a thousand dollar program. Right. And it's just because like you haven't, you don't have the belief yet. And that is the work. That is exactly what we do in the luminaries. You have to believe in that price or you cannot go out there and ask for it because no one's going to buy it because they're going to sense that you don't believe in it. Right. So sometimes we have clients, I know we have one client now who's in a launch and she's selling a 600 something dollar course, which is amazing. And that's a decent price. And she's never done that before. And when she talks about it, I can see how much she is like committed and excited and totally believes the value. So I think I just want to make sure that people aren't like, okay, I'm going to increase my prices to a thousand. There is a lot of work to do before you get to that price point. If you totally are not 1000% behind the offer you've created and that price and that you are completely over delivering for what they're getting. Yeah. I agree with that. You really have to know that the value you're delivering is there. And know you have, like, it in every yeah. cell of your being. Yeah. I know it. Yeah. yeah. So that when someone says, no, this isn't for me, it's like, yeah, it's not a judgment. Or if someone says this is too expensive, right. like you don't have a second thought because you're like, well, they're not the right yeah. fit then. And you know that, that the next, there's people waiting in the wings out there who are going to say, yes, like it's okay to accept the no, that's too much money or whatever. And 
believe or know that there's other people that are going to come in that are like $1,000. Yes, please. Thank you very much. You know? Yep. All right. So again, we will link this article in the show notes. I also found if you are looking for something to do, the comments on this article, there's like hundreds and hundreds of comments on this article and they're worth going through. Kevin Kelly's original article also has like an obscene number of comments. I think it's like, let me just check, 640 comments. And she's got like more than 400. So she's really, you know, this is like, this is a very compelling critique of Kevin Kelly's original article. And I think it's paying homage to it as well. So it's worth, if this is something that's interesting to you, building up an audience and a fan base, of course, you should join our program Visible and she.co slash Visible, but like have a go at looking at these articles and and checking out the comments there too. Because this is a big kind of, major thought piece in the creator economy. All right, let's go through the joy. I'm so excited for you to talk about our joy here, Sandy, because you kind of got me like a little bit obsessed with this idea and it's new to me. So sorry. let's go ahead and dive in. <laughs> oh my God. So if you have spent any time on social media right now, you will know that Everybody is talking about getting their colors done, you know, figuring out your sort of palette that really makes your skin shine and your eyes bright and you just sort of glow. And I went in back in the 80s, this was a huge thing. It was like your season, like one of the four seasons. And my mom wouldn't let me do it as a kid. And she just thought it was the most ridiculous waste of money because like you sort of intuitively know what colors look good on you. But my friend did it and she looked always looked amazing. So anyway, now it's 2023 and it's all happening again. So, and Jenny's like, we need to go start a, you probably don't even know this part. We're going to start a YouTube channel, Sandy. Like we have a YouTube channel, but we're like going to post videos on there of us chatting about whatever. And I'm like, oh God, I need to figure out lighting and camera and colors and makeup. Like I need to look professional for, I got to step it up. So that prompted me to sort of dive into this world and I've been absolutely obsessed. And so I ended up hiring somebody out of, what is it called? Curated style, I think out of the UK to do my colors. And when I got it back and it was like 60 pounds. And then when they gave me this like 43 page document, I'm a soft summer. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm absolutely hundred percent not. Like, no, like I just, no. And so I hired somebody here in person because I wanted them to actually see, like physically do it. And it's the exact same result. So apparently, yes, I am a soft summer. So anyway, so I'm going back to all those are the colors that I wore my whole life, which is my mom was exactly right. So it's like grays and blues and very muted, like Sarah Jessica Parker, what she wears gray all the time. And they always talk about how good she looks in gray. And so it is that color palette, gray, muted, cool. So the opposite of me. (laughs) Yeah, but no, not the total opposite because you are winter. And so we both have blue, like the cool tones, Mm -hmm. but you are bright colors. But Mm -hmm. what's, this is totally an aside, but like we've done photo shoots and we've worn the same like lip color. And I was always like, we're so opposite in like our coloring. Like how does that, and I look at the pictures and that color looks good on both of us. And it's because we both have cool tones. So we can wear the same makeup colors, but not the same like clothing colors. Yeah. But the the colors I think will like look good together because they're just different versions of the same color, right? Like different versions of pink and different versions of blue. I'm muted and you're bright. I'm muted. Which is, yes. I'm gray. (laughs) Grayish. Yeah. Well, that's so interesting to me because we both like look the opposite of our brand colors. So that's horrifying. So we're going to have to deal with that at some point. But these are like not important problems. (laughs) 
Well, we're not wearing our brand colors against our face. We have. We have in some pictures. We definitely have worn some like very autumn colors like We have to get rid of all the oranges and all the yellows. And all of those things. Right. I can wear neon yellow, so that's fine. But yeah, anyway, no, I think it's so interesting because like I started seeing all these videos popping up on YouTube and on Instagram. And obviously it's because we are in the same filter bubble because we share accounts, right? Like we have shared accounts that are connected to all of our personal accounts, I think. And so I see the same freaking things you probably see, all the things that I watch. And so I was like, what the hell is this? Like before you ever talked about it, I started like seeing these videos coming on my feeds and I was like, what is this? Who are these people that are like putting like fabric swatches in front of their faces in front of a mirror and talking like I went down a rabbit hole and then you told me like the next day that you were into this. And I was like, oh, that's why I'm seeing all these things. (laughs) But it's super interesting to me. And like mine, I have not had it done, but I watched a bunch of stuff you sent me. And I think it's pretty obvious that it's a bright winter. And like, so that's like Katy Perry and Megan Fox. And I was like, oh my gosh, those ladies wear so much makeup. They're like so dramatic and their colors are so bright that they, you know, that they wear. And I was like, that's really new for me. So I'm but you don't have to wear a lot of makeup. That's not the point. Well, I know, but like I wear like very neutral makeup, which is like not what you're supposed to do as a bright winter. It's like throw all of your like light brown eyeshadow and like barely dusted things, like throw it away because it I'll looks it bad on you. The muted give one it, over here. Yeah, maybe I'll give it to you because I'm supposed to have like dramatic, bright blue eyeshadow and no, purple. No, no. <laughs> I disagree with that. You don't have to do that. Like that's – like I think it's more important the color of that you wear, especially because we're on video so much. But I don't think you need to be ridiculous and unnatural in your makeup. That doesn't make you feel comfortable. Like you could probably put on a bright lip, but you don't have to have neon green eyeshadow. Right. I'm going to find somebody here in Arizona to like – do it. Teach me. Yeah, I do you. it. And then mm-hmm. I'm just going to see. I'm just going to see because I'm also not going to spend like three hours a day doing that. So, but maybe yeah. once in a while it would be fun. Anyway, that's the joy. Thank you for sharing it, Sandy. And God knows how much money I'm going to spend down this rabbit hole. So yeah, thank I you know. for that also. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> okay. All right. And then our hustle is the camera. Oh, our cameras. So, In light of this YouTube new hobby that we are taking on, and we're also using these cameras for other things, but we are both into the Sony ZV-1 point-and-shoot, like, fantastic mirror. I think it's mirrorless camera. Like, it's so good. It's, like, the vlogging camera. And, like, the picture quality is amazing, and it also has, like, all this, like, stabilization, and it's great in different lighting, which, like, my iPhone is terrible in low light, and this camera is so much better. I've been playing with it quite a bit. So I just – it's not inexpensive, but it's also not, like, a multi-thousand dollar camera. I think it was, like, $700 or something. Yeah. For me in Canada, it was $900, under $1,000. Yeah. So it's just – anyway, if you start to notice – us on video anywhere and it looks really good. That's the camera mm-hmm. that we're probably using. The, what's astounding to me is, so we're re-recording some of the content, the curriculum for the luminaries program. So I've been doing some of that and I'm using this new camera and I don't know what it does. Like there's no filter, but there is somehow. Like, there it is. Does yeah, no, no, no. Something. Sony has a built-in filter Holy in it. Holy crap. Yeah. Like, if I only mm-hmm. looked that way. It's really good. Yeah. That was one of the reasons I wanted to get it is like, oh it has God. like this special face filter like built into it. 
Like I have no under eye circle. Like I don't know what it does, but I look amazing on this camera. Plus I'm wearing the right colors, but it's just, I don't know. I've just, it's really good. It's really, really noticeable. The difference between, because we're so used to our webcams. Yeah. No, it's hard to want to even, like, it's hard to even look right now mm-hmm. at my screen with the webcam because yeah. I just no, want to use the camera. Anyone who's doing any video on YouTube or on like, like we are for like you're creating content. I think it's just, I think it's money well spent. Yeah, sure. Yes. It's awesome. Okay. All right. And we will of course link to that in the show notes. We'll be sure to include our affiliate link for that. If you want to buy any expensive video cameras or other equipment, please use our affiliate link and we'll thank you forever. Great way to support the podcast. All right, folks, that's it for today. We will see you next time. Okay. Bye. Thanks, Andy. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Marvelous. Marvelous helps you build and grow your own courses, memberships, and live streamed programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. If you're looking for a simple, beautiful, custom branded platform to build and grow your online business, you can learn more at heymarvelous.com.